0: Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, Dustin Fuse and I are recording this podcast on Tuesday, December 4th. While he and I are recording this, Rise of the Resistance is having its dedication ceremony at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And Dustin, I find it fascinating that inside of the same six-month window, because you have to remember, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure opened at Universal's Islands of Adventure back on June 13th of this year. We've had two state of the art theme park attractions open in central Florida, both of which feature ride systems that do things that. Thrill ride fans have never ever experienced before. And, mm-hmm. um, you actually got to ride uh, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure last month during our, our, our fan event. Um, again, so again, we you can go from
1: talking about this in theory to <laughs> the actual ride experience. What was that like? Oh, it was a blast! It was um, a, an experience that when you when you actually are on the the trains on the motorbikes. You you really focus on the storytelling and the fact that you are going from a coaster that goes forwards and backwards and up and down and drops and and everything like that. Everything that people have said about the expectation of this ride is correct. Uh, the only thing that comes up is the fact that it is very unreliable. Um, and even looking just before we recorded, uh, there's. Only so many days that Hagrid's is going right until close. So my hope is that they'll figure out exactly what's going on. If it takes a, a couple extra um, you know, months to really get it nailed down, uh, that's perfect because people who go to Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios Orlando, they need to ride this attraction. It's that mm-hmm. good.
0: Okay. Well, the interesting thing is at least talking with friends at Imagineering, it's like, you know, congratulations, we have our very own Hagrids. (laughs) It's like – both the good side and the bad side. So, I, well, I and you're
1: also talk. saying that uh, you and I are not at the the media availability. We're living vicariously through everybody else's live streams right. at this point. That we are. That we are.
0: You know. Um, by the way, uh, I, again, I didn't get to ride Hagrid's last month. I was busy with with our fan event. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, hats off to Tammy Whiting, the team at Storybook Destinations for making the whole thing run so smooth. But Nancy did and said it was the greatest ride she's ever been on. It's like me. I I keep hoping that the next theme park <laughs> attraction, whatever I get on, will be the the greatest ride. And um, which actually brings me to something that Stingray uh, reached out to you and I, Dustin, uh, through Twitter to ask. Mm-hmm. So, well, what do you think of this DreamWorks VR experience the the one that they've they've just opened through their Dreamscape Immersive? Uh, Stingray wants to know. Does, do we think this is a test run for our, the How to Train Your Dragon ride that's supposed to be built at the Epic Universe Park? Um, and for those of you who aren't aware of this, um, location-based VR company Dreamscape Immersive, uh, this is the press release for the uh, what they're doing, they're now offering a new experience that ties into the DreamWorks Dragon series, which began with How to Train Your Dragon, the first movie back in 2010. This project, entitled Dragon's Flight Academy, will allow you to fly on the back of a dragon in VR along with eight others. Now, let's see. The specifics here, uh, it's only being presented at two Dreamscape locations right now. The first is at Westfield Century City in Los Angeles. And the next, the other location, is North Park Center in Dallas? Yeah, it's in Dallas, yeah. Yeah, and let's see. Now, they're saying... The Dragon's Flight Academy, it's approximately a 35-minute experience, though. Uh, you know, they want to stress here that, you know, that includes checking in, gearing <laughs> up, and gearing down. Yeah. It's, uh, what is it, $20 a ticket. Yep. And let's see, they, they have, they're pushing groups through, new groups through every 20 minutes. So, and they're advising folks to show up 15 minutes early for this. I have to say just from what, you know, the procedure they describe here between the get there 15 minutes early, you know, expect, you know, a lot of time gearing up, gearing down. Um, I don't necessarily think this is the sort of thing that Universal will be doing for the parks. But that isn't to say, I mean, this is 2019 Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, where VR will be in four years it's hard to say, yep. you know, uh, maybe there, there will be a, you know, they'll, they'll invent a, a faster load system or, or for that matter, or new lighter technology. So it won't quite be as arduous. I mean, um, I did the void during a trip uh, last year mm-hmm. and did the, the first star Wars experience. And yeah, it was once you, you were suited up it was great, but yeah, it was, it was a bit of a chug, getting in and out of the outfits yeah Um, and i
1: i think one of those those funny things when you're looking at kind of getting this technology out there and keep in mind that dreamscape is one of a handful of startups that are actually doing this vr style Mm -hmm. um and they did say in uh in a variety piece that Dreamscape is uh, planning to open additional VR centers in markets including Columbus, Ohio and the New York, New Jersey metro area. So as they continue to grow into these areas and possibly take on uh, companies that are well situated within the market like The Void where mm-hmm. they're actually up here in Toronto. I know that they're down in in Disney Springs and mm-hmm. um, it, it's for those companies it's less about getting into new markets and more about once they're there How do they get that next property? Because are they going from Star Wars to Wreck-It Ralph to the next greatest, uh, biggest and greatest experience? I think that's their business model. But if we're talking about Epic Universe, everything's on the table at this point. And yeah. we, we still don't have anything outside of the fact that it's opening 2023. There's a lot of construction that's going on. There's conversations about, you know, roads and that kind of thing. I think as soon as all of that settles down, we'll get into a uh, what kind of technologies they're going to be using and who they're going to partner with to get those technologies. True, true.
0: Um. Well, long story short, Stingray <laughs> don't know, uh, but I'll make some calls and I'll get back to
1: you. Yeah, okay. Magic Eight Ball.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of How to Train Your Dragon, the How to Train Your Dragon holiday special, Homecoming made its debut on NBC last night. It was cute. Um, I I have to say, in hindsight, might have been a mistake. To pair this brand new holiday special with the Chuck Jones version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I mean uh, that long beloved holiday special, and, and this this one was, was made its debut back in '66. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, uh, literally that that is a hard act to follow. Um, what was especially interesting, at least for me, is that the way this one was slotted literally was. Before uh, the end scene in How to Train Your Dragon: Hidden World, where you got to see the now grown-up Hiccup and Astrid take their children to, to basically to the lip of the hidden world, where they met up with Toothless and the Light Fury and and their pups, and there was that you know that wonderful flying scene at the end that, that made us all cry. Yep. Um, speaking of making all of us cry, did you see this? The holiday reunion ad, yeah, for the podcast. ET one, yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, first of all, uh, it's not an ad. I mean, well, I mean, it's it's an ad, but it's <laughs> it's not. It's four minutes long, and in fact, um, the way a lot of us were made aware of this thing is it debuted during the NBC broadcast of Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, mm-hmm. uh, and they showed the two minute cut down version, and then sort of showed you the link to the effect if you want to see the full film, go online. Um, but this is, the interesting thing is, it's an ad for Comcast Xfinity, and my understanding is that in the UK, it's being used to hype Sky technologies. Um, gotta say that, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I was kind of pissed off to see E.T. being used, you know, at this sort of hype Comcast technology, you know, just yeah, hey, a let me talking puppet. It's like,
1: no, that's that's not what ET is. Yeah, he's um, a character with a heart.
0: <laughs> but you know, oh, uh, and I, I have to say, probably the folks at Comcast weren't all that enthusiastic about uh, how Henry Thomas got picked up for alleged DUI. Uh, you know, back in October of this year, and I want to say just the week before the ad ran. Uh, he appeared before a judge in uh, Portland, Washington, and pleaded no contest and was put into a diversionary program. And, uh, and more power to him. I hope he puts his behind him. But uh, by the way, Dustin, I have a theory. I don't think it was Henry Thomas's fault. Okay. Um, remember in the original ET film where Elliot is drunk at school because ET is home cracking beers. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're psychically linked. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was ET. All right. You know, I'm thinking that's why the judge put him in a diversionary program. It's like, okay, <laughs> not your fault. So, nope. All ET's fault. But again, speaking of stories that involve law enforcement, Dustin, do you want to share your retired police officer story?
1: Yeah. Um, every so often I spend a little, little bit of time on Snopes.com. And Snopes is, is that place where you go to get things fact-checked. And uh, I was just doing a little search, and I'm like, I wonder if anyone has ever, like, done anything Universal-related. And for some strange reason, it was within the last two weeks. So the the title of the thing is, Was a Man Wearing a Retired Police Officer Shirt Denied Entry at Universal Orlando? And uh, it's basically talking about how universal Orlando Resort stopped a retired police officer from entering the park because his, his t-shirt said retired police officer on it. Now the rating on Snopes is actually a mixture because it wasn't quite a, a full stop. Um, it was a gentleman named uh, Vince champion, uh, and he was temporarily stopped at the entrance because he was wearing the t-shirt with retired police officer on the front. Um, but what's false is that he was eventually allowed into the park uh, because he was wearing the the shirt. So Champion uh, told local news station W.E.S.H. that he and his girlfriend went to the resort on November 1st to enjoy Halloween Horror Nights and um, basically said, you know, I had a shirt on it. it said what it said, um, but park policy states the guests aren't allowed inside wearing anything that could represent someone as emergency personnel. So although he countered with uh, the fact that he didn't believe the shirt could be mistaken for an on-duty uniform, he told that even if it was mistaken, he's still a reserve officer and could help in the event of an emergency. So staff let him in. Uh, It was a very interesting story to look at that um, to come up, because the statement from Universal Orlando basically states that we want our our guests and team members to be able to easily identify active working law enforcement, although we don't prevent uh, guests to wear clothing or items that could cause confusion. So. It was a very interesting story, and I'm I'm glad that I headed over to to Snopes to see this because it really didn't jump up on anybody's radar. No, I mean, uh,
0: I guess I completely understand from Universal's point of view, especially at an event like Halloween Horror Night. Oh, absolutely. It, you're, you're dealing with giant crowds coupled by lower lighting levels, and, you know, face it, somebody who's panicked and looking for help Uh, who sees police officers immediately going to reach out to that person. And, you know, again, you know, in some of these situations, literally seconds count, Mm -hmm. you know. uh, So I I get what Universal was doing and, uh, you know, in a weird sort of way, I'm glad the story didn't get all that much traction because uh, it's just one of these things where it could have blown up into, again, one of these stories where people have a tiny piece of information and make a big, you know, uh, uh,
1: kerfuffle about it. Yeah, because it says stopped a retired. It it doesn't have that next sentence, which is he was eventually allowed into the park after a couple of minutes of conversation. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I've seen people, you know, in lineups, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not just in, in theme parks, but it's, you know, uh, live events and everything. They just wear the wrong attire. Mm-hmm. And it's something where there's a, a right way to go about it. And it's also like you you pull them aside. You don't uh, escalate the, the experience. You explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. And... You you create this this environment where it's not a accusatory. As soon as it becomes accusatory, that's when you get media and everything like that this involved. He basically just it happened. It is what it is. Uh, mm. Universal, I think, did a, a did exactly what they should. They their statement was to the T. But the fact is, staff let him in. It is what it is.
0: Okay. Well. And again, you know, that's the interesting thing is, you know, when it comes to Universal, especially Universal Orlando, there is literally a five minute pause between Halloween Horror Nights and then jumping straight into Christmas. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of Christmas, we have two pieces, or actually three okay. pieces of Seuss related news. Uh, we first go to the West Coast for Universal Studios Hollywood. I don't know how many of you have been out there for their version of Grinchmas, but they, they do this wonderful wonky Christmas tree uh on the upper lot, and it's actually used as a backdrop for a lot of the uh activities related to the Grinchmas celebration. That's where you see the Who's sing, that's where uh you know, the Grinch comes and you know, I think they
1: do a tree lighting. Yeah, they actually had Mario Lopez. Oh. Uh for okay. this last one, uh do the you know, this is what's going on. They read the the story and then the Grinch comes out. But yeah, it's really interesting. The difference between Hollywood and Orlando mm-hmm. is night and day. I would love to be able to uh, make that trek between the two uh, in a single season.
0: Yeah, especially this year with uh, they have swapped out their, the old Wonky. Christmas tree for a brand new, uh, version. Uh, it's 55 feet tall, loaded with LED lights. And this is worth seeking out, uh, on YouTube folks because they, they have choreographed the lights on the tree, uh, to music as part of the Grinchmas ceremony. And it's just, it's absolutely killer. It's, it's one of these things where I really hope it makes its way to orlando soon and, and speaking of things that hollywood is doing that i hope make it to the orlando market you know if not this christmas next christmas have you heard about this uh where there, where universal studios hollywood is partnering with cameo uh to so that guests can get free personalized video greetings from the grinch wow uh, that yeah. that
1: that looks awesome
0: yeah. Now, again, folks, uh, I have to caution you. This is only through December eighth, so you know, we, you know, and we'll have the show up later this week. So you'll have to run and gun here. But um, they're taking online submissions at cameo.com dot backslash the one word, the Grinch, uh, through December eighth, and the, the if you go to the website they offer simple instructions about how to create a personalized video greeting from the Grinch, which can then be delivered to friends and family. Now, again, back to Orlando, particularly in the Seuss's landing section of Islands of Adventure. I have to say, I was delighted to hear that green eggs and ham has reopened
1: at that theme park. Um, Yeah. It's, it's back in, you know, in my opinion, better than ever. Uh, the, the photos look amazing of the, uh, the food that's back out. So one of the, the big conversations that you and I have had before is the, the Instagram mentality of food bloggers and vloggers and everything. Everyone wants to get their first in order to basically just take the photo of the food and then, well, they're good. They, they don't need to eat it. Or if they do eat it, they're only going to have one of the 17 hot dogs that they order. Um, But Green Eggs and Ham have always been a, you know, it's great to look at. But as soon as you go to bite in, you're like, wait a second. I I don't know if I want this. Mm -hmm. Things have changed. So over at uh, Green Eggs and Ham in Seuss Landing at Universal's Islands of Adventure, uh, they're doing a lot of things with potato tots. Mm -hmm. So from uh, pizza tots, which a lot of people kind of know those things from Halloween Horror Nights. Um, mixed in with uh, we've got Buffalo Chicken Tots, Who Hash, um, the Green Eggs and Ham Tots, and a S'mores Nutella. Hmm. So in a park that is really in the prime of their their expansion with uh, Jurassic World and Jurassic Park and everything like that coming and with Hagrid's just opening up, if you had the chance to stop and get pizza tots, or uh, which is a version of the pizza fries from Halloween Horror Nights, um, and all this stuff, when you look on uh, online and actually see some of the photos, they look good. Uh, I don't know about the green eggs and ham one. I think I'm more leaning towards the buffalo chicken, but that's me.
0: Mm. I, I Taking the 30,000-foot view here, I got to wonder, working the Venn diagram here, how much sure. of the decision to bring... This restaurant back, you know, into active service had to do with the the Netflix series, uh, you know, the, the Green Eggs and Ham. And in mm-hmm. fact, it, it's it's worth noting that in addition to the restaurant coming back online, now the walk-around characters of Sam I am and Guy Am I, I think that's <laughs> that's his name, uh, yep. they're back as well. So it's not only a place to eat; it's a photo op. Um, so and especially this time of year, when you think about how many people, you know, as opposed to making the automatic left to go to uh, Marvel Superhero Island or going right, uh, you know, to catch all the holiday stuff in Seuss Landing,
1: uh, probably a very smart move to bring this online. Oh, yeah, it's all about capitalizing on on that revenue stream. And um, I think with, with Lorax and Sam I Am and all those and I Am Guy, you're – you're talking about a, a, a reintroduction of characters that people may not know. And the same thing happened a number of years ago with Disney Junior when they brought back um, Horace Horse Collar, and Clarabelle Cow. You're getting this reintroduction. And honestly, more walk around characters is exactly what we want. And we talked about it during our, uh, our live podcast. If you haven't listened to the last uh, episode, jump on because it's when we talked about exactly what happened during our our event and we talked about character Palooza, how in Universal Studios, Florida, you'll walk through uh, the streets and you you can see all those characters that you see on like social media and everything from uh, who did we see We saw all the Simpsons guys, we saw all of the like um olive oil and Popeye and Woody woodpecker and every like Universal is doing this to a next level and I think it's a great thing for guest satisfaction. Mm probably true um
0: anyway uh speaking of green eggs and ham and breakfast related stuff when Dustin and i get back we are going to talk about voodoo donuts both the universal hollywood and the universal orlando versions of these sweet chops is not to mention what's been going on lately both with the east coast and west coast version of city walk and we're back um but before we get started with all the city walk related stuff Dustin, you have some news in regard to uh, the born stuntacular. Which
1: remind me, this was brought to your attention. How? So uh, sometimes you just have to jump on Twitter, mm-hmm. and that's that's what this is all about. Uh, we we both actually follow uh, Banksley, so at attractions and at Banksley, and he posted how there was a. Um, A little bit of a a a thing going on with universal orlando uh annual pass holders that uh they were given the opportunity to go and do a a taping for the born stuntacular pre-show now when this came online it was uh, a huge opportunity because you get immortalized in a pre-show until it comes out and then you're like oh i'm in that (laughs) pre-show um but It's going to be happening Saturday, December 14th, uh, from 9 till 1. And uh, we did a little bit of extra research. And it looks like uh, over at uh, BioReconstruct, which, once again, one of our favorite flyover uh, producers of news, um, he was talking about how with, uh, with this experience, there's usually a very limited amount. So when he jumped on a couple of days ago, there was a moment where there were 167 spots remaining. So do we know how many, you know, people they're actually going to be utilized uh, for this, this show? I don't, Really know until we see the uh, the the finished product, but that's a lot of people. And let's be honest, annual pass holders all jumped online, snatched up the spots, and it was sold out within minutes. So, uh, but you, you uh, pointed
0: out while we were pre gaming though that it's not
1: every annual pass holder that can actually get into this thing, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. <laughs> That's, that's what's funny about some of the things. You, you have to read the little fine print and um, apparently seasonal pass holders are blocked out of the Universal Studios Florida and are unable to participate. Got it. Got it.
0: Hmm. Well, again, you know, you 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 got to appreciate Universal's ingenuity because you know, think of, you know, there's got to be at least a couple of seasonal pass holders who wanted to get in on this thing, and it's like, <sighs> probably somewhat reluctantly, but you know, eventually they caved and upgraded their annual to the to the next level, whatever would get mm-hmm. them into uh, this tentacular shooting. And, and speaking of of, of Senso, you were also mentioning that a kind of a parallel track from this uh pre-show project they've actually been sort of casting just stunt people for it though right
1: yeah so it looks like a company by the name of action horizon stunts Mm. which actually is over at uh, on um instagram so action underscore horizons underscore stunts and uh they were uh getting uh all their their folks out to uh basically train and uh do a uh a job fair hmm. for this this experience so it looks like um stunt performers with experience in martial arts parkour tumbling high fa- uh, high fall training and close quarter combat were uh were requested uh there was a fitness evaluation uh, and this happened back on it looks like do 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 callbacks were on November the 4th mm-hmm. um, which when we're looking at you know how how far out this casting has to happen mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense. If they're doing a, a spring 2020, all those folks need to be uh, found and then trained for what this this new show is going to look like. So if you head over to the, the Instagram account, you can see some really uh, behind-the-scenes images about uh, how they did it and um, all the folks that they brought out. It was actually a really cool uh, thing to see, uh, especially when you're not in that world. Hmm. Intriguing.
0: Okay. Um well, all right. That that's
1: that, back to donuts. You know, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's the thing. You know, that that's, you know, some of, some people jump through hoops and some people just eat hoops. Uh you know, anyway. Exactly. Um back to our November event. Uh we closed out the Christmas at Universal with a visit to Voodoo Donuts and got to say goodbye to some of the, the friends we made over the course of it. I that said, I wish we had gotten to spend more time in the universal version of City Walk this past trip, Dustin. I especially wanted to check out the former AMC Cinema on site there. The weekend that Dustin and I were having the event, the Cinemark, the new owners of that 20-screen cinema, had just completed upgrading every auditorium at that facility. So we're talking... Wall-to-wall screens, uh, custom sound systems with multi-channel speakers, and CDR projection that, that supposedly can deliver 35 trillion colors. <laughs> you know, Who's sitting there going, well, it's robin egg <laughs> blue, but could it be bluer? Um yeah. I, I don't know. I would get a We're used to thirty trillion. Where does this other five yeah, trillion come I know, in? I know. <laughs> How many different versions of Sienna are there? Anyway, um, <laughs> would have loved to have seen Frozen uh at that yep. the Universal Cinemark in a brand new theater. But um over the course of the, the this event, um uh, Dustin and I talked a lot about the changes that have been made to the Universal theme parks, but the City Walk, both the East Coast and the West Coast versions of these Retail Dining and Entertainment District Camp have been very dynamic. I've seen lots of changes over the past five years. In fact, I remember I went to a press event in December of 2013 where Universal Orlando was announcing they were going to open eight new restaurants and they were all coming to the Universal, you know, this 30-acre place uh, for the next year. And sure enough, by December uh, 2014, Red Oven Pizza Bakery was open, Vivo Italian, the Hot Dog Hall of Fame,
1: uh, Cowfish, uh, and... Oh, the Cold Stone Creamery, and... Oh, and the Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be honest, that Starbucks is a great place to start your day.
0: Yeah, and the other one, I I, want to... Atajito's, the the, the Mexican place at the back there. Um, Sure. But, you know, and you have to understand that, that, you know, just you know what, 15 months previous, they had already expanded Universal Orlando City Walk with the drive-in golf, with the the miniature golf, the the two different courses uh, with 18 holes, the Haunting of Ghostly Green and the Invaders of Planet Puck. So you think, okay, that's enough. You've, you know, eight new restaurants. And it's like, no, literally as... You know these restaurants are opening in phases over the summer of of and and late f- fall of 2014. The NASCAR Sports Grill, 530 seat venue, originally called the NASCAR Cafe when it first opened in 1999. When or when CityWalk first opened, uh, it closes November 1st of that year. And I, you know, I know Dustin. You and I have talked about the Today Show Cafe and how. Sure uh universal or particularly comcast has been very aggressive about get nbc you know ip
1: which by the way i did have the al roker uh chicken sliders while we were there really i had to it seemed like a good idea at the time they looked better uh in the the instagram photo but i think it's it's all about what you pair it with okay um the the seasoning was just a little bit off but you know, it was still a great chicken sandwich, especially in that theme park. You got to have more food. Okay. So yeah, I wanted to let you know, because I know on one of our shows, we talked about how at least one of us had to bite the bullet. (laughs) Well, you know, the interesting thing is I actually went in there and,
0: but then saw the line. And and the weird thing is, it wasn't that the line was long that made me think, "Mm, I don't know if I want to do this. It was the fact that There were two registers set up, but there was one line that sort of meandered into the center of the restaurant. I mean, remember how I'm going to get the name wrong again the Boulangerie? Was that what it was called? Yep. Okay. That had sort of the chained off, um, you know, you you knew where the queue was. And this one has that sort of open plan. uh, But you, you literally had, you know, 10 people standing in line, face down on their phones, who were you know, sort of blocking flow in the restaurant. And it was just sort of like, I want to try the food, but I don't know if I want to get in that line.
1: You know, so... Yeah, we, well, we had the same issue over at Mel's uh, Drive-In. When we walked in and had uh, lunch, I think it was on day two, mm-hmm. we had, uh, we saw one of these, um, these groups, mm-hmm. the large uh, travel groups, I think with Brazilians, mm-hmm. um, and their tour coordinator actually came in through the back door, the exit door, mm-hmm. and led... Probably I, I, I don't even know. I lost count after fifty mm-hmm. uh, teenagers, all the way around to you know basically have this this uh, this meal, and you're sitting there like, wow, there are so many restaurants on property, and then you start really thinking that well, there's only a handful that could actually hold those fifty kids. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that you know, going in exits and entrances and everything, it was it was a very eye-opening experience to see what those team members deal with on a day-to-day basis and why CityWalk, the more um Uh, restaurants and more properties that they can bring into that entertainment district, it actually helps alleviate the lunchtime crowd because people will go out, have that opportunity, and then come back into the the park. Well, that's the key. Can you get them out of the park to come to these
0: things? So, that's in fact, that's what was kind of interesting about the NASCAR sports grill getting changed out to the NBC sports grill, uh, grill and brew. And you know i i again you know the, the weird thing is that it's actually the way it's set up it's it's just across the bridge basically from uh from Universal Studios Florida it's a bit of a schlep from islands um, mm-hmm. but you know the what is it the combination of what the the ninety flat screens inside the building and the jumbotrons outside you know it's supposed to appeal to sports fans but conversely though um you know the, it's interesting that the nbc sports grill opens on october 23rd 2015 uh but on august 31st of that same year across the way uh we saw nba city again another one of the restaurants that had been as part of city walk uh you know right from the start back in 1999 it closes in august on august 31st of 2015 and That restaurant, after an extensive retooling both within and without, becomes Toothsome's Chocolate Emporium and Savory Feast Kitchen, uh, mm-hmm. which opens to the public on September twenty second, two thousand sixteen. And this starts to do land office business, but but the, the very thing that you you mentioned, Dustin, that because it was you know this restaurant was is so close to the island's entrance. And, you know, it has that elaborate smokestack and the gears out front. It it catches your eye on the way in. And there are a lot of families uh, that, you know, if they're leaving uh, islands and headed over to Universal or if they're out to go back to their hotel, you know, get in the pool or that sort of thing, wind up over there for lunch. So it does um, great lunchtime business and a a solid dinner business as well.
1: And they've got a great retail program. Mm -hmm. So when we went in there, the the there was a, a decent number of people that were, you know, getting lunches and that kind of thing. But the lineup to go over and get macarons and get, you know, their prepackaged chocolates, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, they did this right. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, uh, would we have rather have liked a Willy Wonka? Sure. Mm-hmm. But it, it worked out perfectly for that location. And honestly, that versus NBA, mm-hmm. I think it's... It's just a, uh, you have to listen to what your guests are asking and give it to them.
0: And you have to wonder, given that, you know, uh, the NBA experience shuts down in August of 2015 and, you know, we jump ahead to 2019 and the NBA experience opening at Disney Springs, you know. Yeah. Gotta wonder, you know, I'll have to go back and look at the timeline of the closure for Disney Quest and... You know, you got to wonder how early Disney began its conversations with NBA.
1: Um. Well, and I know that with—so um, we were actually there. So we ended up uh, leaving Universal after our event and then heading over to uh, to Disney for a couple of days. And I spent some time at NBA Experience. Mm-hmm. And the— interior store and everyone who was coming out uh if they were basketball fans absolutely loved it mm-hmm. but the crossover between a disney quest and an nba experience most of the families that i saw leaving were like oh, i wish the disney quest was still here and i'm like see if you weren't there five years ago, would you be saying the same thing? Mm -hmm. Because Disney Quest was definitely aging and having NBA come in and it's still not completely done. They still need to get their restaurant up up and open soon. Um, But when we're talking about Universal, the fact that NBA City was there and you could go in at any given part during the day and the only time it was busy was probably 15 minutes after islands closed yeah that's true
0: that's true by the way speaking of closure uh, let's see the the last Disney quest the one at, at downtown Disney on the west side Close to July second, two thousand
1: seventeen. So, do we know when the announcement was? I'm I'm trying to find as we're talking as we're we're going through the the NBA and everything like that. I'm trying to figure out when the NBA was originally announced to go to to Disney because I have when it was when it will open, Um, but. That there was a time period there, and I, I've heard stories about that area at um, you know the former Disney Quest, and even on the other end at, at Universal, how the WWE wanted to put their head, their Hall of Fame, in a physical location. And uh, they hit the same wall as what NBA did, where Disney, que- or Disney wanted Disney Quest to uh, basically keep that building and didn't want to start from scratch, where at the end of the day they did when the NBA was uh, proposed what they did. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting seeing that timeline and then going back the number of years later and seeing, oh, Toothsome is still doing great business. That circle, so in between Twosome and the Hard Rock, and basically that area in City Walk, it's all what is needed for a good theme park. It's that exiting of the guests and saying, "Hey, we want you to stick around."
0: Now it's kind of interesting. You 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 asked about when we first saw Disney and the the NBA. Uh, interesting again we had the uh, what was it the July closing uh, yeah July 2nd uh, there's actually news stories on June 20th of 2017 so oh wow uh, literally <laughs> two weeks before it closes uh, you know kind of mentioning that that the NBA and and Disney are ex- Banding their partnership, uh, you know, and, and
1: at that point, everyone thought, "Oh, they'll just be selling jerseys," and it's like, "Oh no, it's, it's. yeah." And Disney bought the the naming rights for the jersey for the Orlando Magic, and it's like, "Okay, that makes sense." And little knowing what else was out in the bushes. So, yep,
0: okay. Uh, well, anyway, again, we talked about Voodoo Donuts at the very top here. That the the Orlando version opened. On May second, two thousand eighteen, uh, and then just a few months after that, on July seventeenth, two thousand eighteen, we had Emerald's uh, Orlando close, and you know that led to Big Fire, which opened a uh, June of this year. And did you and Jill get
1: into that while you were down there, or we we tried mm-hmm. the the lineups for that area because when we were down there, and this is a, a trip planning thing. Um, Universal sometimes closes their parks at seven o'clock, which is Uh, perfect dinner time. mm -hmm. So all of those restaurants from uh, Margaritaville to Big Fire to even Voodoo Donuts. Mm -hmm. And we did talk about going for dinner at Voodoo Donuts. It didn't end well, but Mm -hmm. uh, we actually ended up going back to Sapphire Falls for um, like a a salad Mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that to, you know, just sustain us. But yeah, Big Fire was, I believe, when we walked up, for two people was going to be about an hour wait. Well,
0: So you did the Dutch trading company there in the lobby? or
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: that's, that's, I hit that a couple times when we were there as well.
1: When you're trying to sustain yourself to go uh, from one uh, event to another, because we went straight from that, I think we ended up doing uh, trivia down in the, the conference room uh, that night. And it was just you You have to sustain yourself and and have that energy, so it was really great that there was at least something open after the parks closed, but we just weren't used to the seven o'clock park closing no. um,
0: okay, so uh, getting back to city walk here again what fascinates me is how consistently when you you, you know universal orlando. If you think about all these restaurants in CityWalk and how they're able to shut them down and completely retool the interior and exterior, bring in the new theming, bring in the new menu, and typically get these places reopened in, in a 10- to 11-month time frame. Um, though, oddly enough, the one restaurant at Universal Orlando CityWalk that will not be changing anytime soon – is the Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, By the way, folks, this is the world's largest Hard Rock Cafe. It has a seating capacity in the restaurant area for a 1,000 diners, and the uh, entertainment venue just off of the dining room there uh, has seating for Um, 3,000. But, uh, you know, what I guess is kind of intriguing to me is that uh, April 6th of this year, uh, Hard Rock International announces that it has reached an agreement with uh, CityWalk to keep its restaurant and entertainment venue in place for another 20 years, uh, with the lease extending all the way out to uh, 2039, which I think, Dustin, you mentioned we talked about in an earlier show.
1: Yeah, I think that was the show that we were trying to figure out how long The Simpsons— are going to be around mm-hmm. uh, in in uh, Universal Studios Florida, mm-hmm. and we were trying to figure out who was going to be first to to leave. Would it be Hard Rock or would it be The Simpsons? Mm-hmm. And The Simpsons is what twenty fifty something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're yeah. these are you know twenty years for a a venue is a long no, long absolutely. period of time.
0: And, and uh, but of course, w- what this makes me think about is Jimmy Vovitz, Mark Mark which again, mm-hmm. you, you know, right before the bridge, leading up to Islands of Adventure. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that Margaritaville is actually a chain of restaurants. There's 23 of them. Uh, first one actually opened at Key West back in 1985. And what kind of intrigues me about whether or not the one that's at Universal Orlando CityWalk is going to stay in place is that phase one of the Margaritaville Orlando Resort – Opened in January of this year. Uh, this is a 300-acre resort that features vacation cottages, 184-room luxury hotel, uh, timeshares, uh, the, the water park uh, component of this thing, Island H2O Live, exclamation point, uh, opened in June <laughs> of this year. Um, and the weird thing is, if you go to the Margaritaville Orlando Resort, there is no Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Uh, there's five restaurants on site. They've got Euphoria, which is fine dining, On Vacation, which is a breakfast buffet, Provisions, which is basically a store but has grab-and-go food, uh, Salter Room uh, Bar and Grill, which I don't need to explain what that is, and then they have Sunset Walk, which is basically the resort's food court, but no full-on Margaritaville restaurant.
1: Um, On the other hand... Fun fun thing, when when you were talking about the the margaritaville is there a chance that they could promote the margaritaville resort orlando at jimmy buffett's margaritaville at universal orlando resort because i'm sure that that's probably a conversation that come up you know uh do we allow that is that a contractual thing when we're telling our guests hey you should go and stay at our resort you're at our resort and jimmy buffett's is just down the road wonder with you know face it you know that that you know they haven't even finished completion of surfside right sure <laughs> you know it's it's well it, it's it's another thing that came up when we were um over at the lego store mm-hmm. at uh at disney springs mm-hmm. do they talk about Legoland? Mm-hmm. and as these these companies start to build their own destinations mm-hmm. uh where does that leave these contractual you know storefront. so it's it's an interesting kind of way of looking at and it, but definitely something. The topic we should do some research on. Circle back, absolutely. On. Um, Can't wait for by that.
0: By the one. way, on the other hand, though, you know, let's not forget though that if you're paying attention during Jurassic World, the original 2015 film, you know, and you, you're not just not just watching Chris Pratt in the Main Street USA, the retail corridor section of that theme park resort. Jurassic World actually has its very own Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville restaurant. In fact, it would love to have been on this phone call where uh, mm-hmm. they persuaded Jimmy Buffett to actually come down uh, to the shooting, which, as I understand it, was at done in that Six Flags in New Orleans that was devastated by the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that scene where the... The pterodactyls have gotten loose and are attacking all of the tourists. If you look closely, Jimmy Buffett is
1: running in terror outside of his restaurant. So you know it just. Now, do you think he was the one who made the call, or was it vice versa? I, I don't. I you know it
0: just. I I have to assume, given that they were you know trying to make. Jurassic World seemed as real as possible and putting real restaurants in it. He probably learned about it as like, yes, I want to be in the movie and yes, I want to be eaten by a dinosaur. So, (laughs) um, anyway, speaking of which, the very first Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville that was opened in California, uh, opened at Universal Studios Hollywood City Walk back in March of 2017. And, um... At the very top of of this segment, uh, we talked about how Universal Cinema at at, uh, CityWalk just got an upgrade. Well, it's worth noting that that back in February of 2016, uh, the AMC Theater at Universal Studios Hollywood uh, in their version of CityWalk also started getting an overhaul. And by March of that same year, all 18 theaters in what's now known as the Universal Cinemas featuring IMAX uh, received makeovers. And... Um this is where it gets kind of interesting, Dustin, because you know, after I one of the reasons I I walked this through everything that'd been done for Universal uh, Orlando's version of City Walk is if we now pivot to Hollywood, a lot of ideas that started out east came west. Uh mind you, one of that is not voodoo donuts. Uh voodoo donuts, in fact, the, the folks in California get kind of upset when you know uh, people talk about oh my god voodoo donuts at universal you know orlando and it's like look we had the (laughs) you know that we had the first universal voodoo donuts you know ours opened 11 months ahead of the one that opened in orlando The, the california version opened on june 2nd 2017 um so, you know, it's just sort of like, I, I apologize if, if we've been too enthusiastic about the Orlando version, you, you know, California has bragging rights. You got the, the in fact, that's the very first voodoo donuts that got built in California. So uh, kudos to them. Um, okay. We jump ahead now to January 2nd, 2018, the Saddled Ranch Chop Shop, uh, a restaurant uh, at Walk, that was, it's located... Right across the way from the entrance arch to Universal Studios Hollywood closes. Uh, yeah, prime location. You know, killer location. Uh, well, one month later, the Wolfick Gang Puck Bistro uh, at the Universal Studios Hollywood uh, CityWalk closes. August 21st of that uh, same year, the uh, a West Coast version of Universal Orlando's Vivo Italian Kitchen opened. We jump ahead now to uh, September 4th, 2018. Camacho's Cantina closes at, at the Hollywood City Walk. It's then replaced by a West Coast version of Universal Lando's Atejitos Cosino Mexicana, which uh, opened to the public in uh, October 8th, 2019. And then this this just fascinates me. April of this year. Again, you know, we, we, we just talked about how here's the hard rock. Uh, In Orlando, it extends its contract to 2013 because just this past month, on November 18th to be exact, the Universal Studios Hollywood version of Hard Rock Cafe announces that it will be closing its doors on January 8th of the coming year, 2020, to create room for a Toothsome's Chocolate Emporium and Savory Feast kitchen which, uh, you know, th- this news just broke uh, earlier this week, and it's supposed to open in 2021. Now, I have to tell you this, and I'm fascinated by this announcement because I have been hearing that Tootsoms was going to the West Coast, but what I was told was the site um, that, you know, that they had set aside for it was, again, the Saddle Ranch Chop House, which, as you just mentioned, has this killer location right next to the entrance arch, for uh, uh, Universal Studios Hollywood. In fact, Mm -hmm. the argument was that they wanted that positioning for much the same reason that, you know, when they were doing Tootsomes, they went after the NBA City uh, location in Orlando, you know, figuring that people coming straight out of islands, uh, you know, this would be the first restaurant they see, and, you know, uh, know, pretty much the same thinking, that when people were, you know, finishing their day at, at... Uh, Universal Hollywood, they'd come out, you know, through the entrance arch, and there it is. It's literally right there. Mm -hmm. Um, But the new thinking, and this is, you know, it's one of these things where it's like, this is somebody who just sat down and said, okay, look, yes, you're right. It's a primo location. But let me explain to you about Hard Rock, you know, especially the Hard Rock at City Walk Hollywood. Um, You know, if you, you call up a map of the City Walk, uh, entertainment district in Hollywood, you can see that the way Hard Rock Cafe is positioned is that anybody who's walking back to their car, uh, either in the Jurassic Park garage or the E.T. garage or the Curious George garage, has to you know basically walk by this restroom. More to the point, anybody who's going to a movie at the Universal Cinema featuring IMAX also has to walk by, uh, you know. So f- strictly from a foot traffic point of view, uh, you know, and and if you think about it, you're tired. It's the end of the day. You are walking back to your car. The kids are hungry, and looming up, you know, between you and your car is Toothsome's. You know, so where are you going to go? You know, um, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's just it's it's it, it's the actually the smarter location versus the front of the park location because. You know, uh, again, by the time you make it down into City Walk and you know all of the collection of shops and that sort of thing, are you literally going to turn around and walk back to the park to go to Tousams? It's like, no, yep. you're not. Um, but, but that said, you know, this still brings us back to, uh, you know, the the, the Saddlebrook Ranch. What, it? what was this called again? Uh, the, Saddle the Ranch, Saddle Ranch House. Chop House. Uh, Again, primo real estate right at the front of the park. Something's got to go in there, Dustin. It's just, it's
1: going to be interesting to see what ends up there. Um, And it's going to be even more interesting to see whether or not they stick with a universal property Mm -hmm. or if they go out and get a third party participant. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I think you were just talking about how, you know, maybe it'll be big fire, but. I don't know. I I I think the way this sort of thing works is, you know, uh, you know, they want a couple of years of of, you know, data. What's the foot traffic in Florida? You know, when do people show up that sort of thing before they make some decisions and Absolutely. Let's also re- let's also remember that yeah, we've talked about on previous shows about, you know, the secret life of pets off the leash attraction which will be opening this coming summer at Universal Studios Hollywood, but uh, just down the hill from that uh, is the Nintendo thing that they haven't yet
1: talked about. That they're not saying anything, even though there's, you know, vertical construction. Yeah, so... Something big is coming. Yeah, so We can't tell you. You know, you
0: got to wonder on the hills of that. Will, you know, that somehow impact, you know, what gets built in the upper lot in the Saddle Ranch chop house spot? So, eh. Anyway, something to talk about in the future show. So, absolutely. Uh, anyway, but until that future show shows up, uh, Dustin, if your folks are looking for you online, where else can they find you?
1: Sure. So, I'm over at steps StepsToMagic.com, uh, Disney Universal Trip Planning, uh, Top 10 Lists, you know, a lot of cupcakes, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I'm also a uh, co host of the We Like Theme Parks podcast. So, it's uh, a podcast. Uh, of, about people who like theme parks. So it's over at Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere where you can get this fine show, you can also get that fine show. Hmm. Okay. And and you're at, what, seven, eight, eight uh, hundred 800 shows at this point?
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. We got Disney Dish with Lentesta. We got uh, Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. We got uh, Marvel Us Disney, which... I do with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who <laughs> cleaves at these things with machetes. Uh, we also have the "I Want That" podcast, and we're getting our Christmas shopping show together, folks. So wait on that, and of course the show you're listening to now. So uh, tell you what, uh, folks, if you could do Dustin and I a favor uh, and head over to iTunes and not only rate and recommend uh, Universal Joint, but uh, we'd like theme parks. That would be great. Uh, on the other hand, if you really, really, really like what you're listening to right now, if you get over to Bandcamp and
1: subscribe, that would be incredibly helpful. And Which, by the way, we haven't talked about it for a while. The Bandcamp archives mm. of uh, the Disney dish, incredible stuff. You guys do walk arounds of a lot of uh, parks, you know, back, you know, a couple of years uh, the, were the ones that I kind of rediscovered mm. uh, your guys' walk and talk and, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, we have a couple of new shows that I, literally we are, are uh, they – we've hit the pause on them because of Disney mm-hmm. Legal uh, because they involve songs that, that Len yes. actually found in the Buddy Baker archive, uh, music for things like the Never Built Africa Pavilion, you know, <laughs> uh, and the early, early, early Mark Davis version. Of the American Adventure. Um, And hopefully those will be available soon in some form. Um, But for now, just um, again, folks, thanks for listening to the latest Universal Joint. And on behalf of Dustin and myself, again, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon.